Good morning, good morning. It is time for Wake Up to the Word. <clears throat> little, you're get it, probably going to get this a little late on Thursday uh, because it's Thursday morning right now. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to this. Let's get our applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Studio audience, it does not exist. We have our coffee for the week is Pete's. Pete's Coffee. This is called Big Bang. Pete's Coffee. P-E-E-T apostrophe S. It's really good. I really like it. It's uh, Pete's Coffee. There's a, not, not a lot of coffees I don't like, but uh, uh, it, it's the great mug wars going on. So um, This one I had looked up and started started to put together, and then I got my gift mug from Bob and Cindy, they got me my gift mug. Unfortunately, it has my picture on it, so <laughs> I don't want to look at me. <laughs> I love the mug, so it's going back here, so everybody gets to see it all the time. So I got my Wake Up to the Word mug, which gave me another idea of having some mugs available for you guys. So I ordered a bunch of them. They got blue inside. They really look cool. And uh, you can go to the website, wake up to the word. You can order your own mug. It's a 15 ounce, 15 ounce mug, holds lots of coffee. I used it last night when teaching at, uh, at uh, Word on Wednesday. But you can have your very own wake up to the word coffee mug. So you can go and order one on the website. I think it is live. I'm new to this. So, we'll see if we can get it all together. If you have any questions, just shoot me a message. You go to how to get a hold of me. All right. Our reading for today. we got a lot going on here. This is, uh, this is pretty cool stuff. Um, and before we get going into this, I wanted to backtrack a little bit. Uh, just off of last week where God changed the calendar... He told them to restart the calendar. Nissan started again with the Exodus. I don't know if you remember that. We talked about it. But I found this great article that talks about all the um, uh, all the uh, the reasons why that would change. And one of the main reasons that, that I shared is they obviously, uh, after being in e Egypt for 400 years, were probably operating off of the Egyptian calendar, which would be logical. I mean, that's how the Egyptians were running everything off of their calendar. But their calendar was steeped in their uh, uh, worship of their gods. And so uh, that's what this article talks about. And uh, their week was set up very differently than Yahweh set up his week. Uh, yeah, uh, so they had a 10-day week with three weeks in a month, uh, four months in a season, three seasons. And every uh, week, uh, every month was named after a god, and that made 360 days. And then they had five days at the end of, of their year that were dedicated to five different gods. And it was like a, a, a festival, a celebration, a five-day celebration to usher in another year. And so it kind of balanced their calendar out. Uh, which was um, the five 
the five days off was, I don't know, a pretty good idea. And uh, so there's a great article, and I put the link for this article. Uh, here's the pages printed out, En Getty Resource Center. And uh, <clears throat> I put the link for the article in Jeff's stack of stuff. So you can go look for that and uh, read that for yourself. It's a great article. It really gives you some insight. And uh, I hope you're using Jeff's stack of stuff. Uh, haven't put something there for a little while, but uh, I really like that. And, and uh, I'm going to uh, I put that in there for you. So I, I got more stuff I'll throw in there. So uh, I hope you're ready to read. So uh, uh, where's my, where's my, uh, here we go. Let's get ready to Let's get into the word of God. Here we go. Our reading for today is uh, Exodus, uh, fifth, uh, this week, excuse me, uh, Exodus 15 through 22, and there is so much going on, it is unbelievable. So the song of Moses, <clears throat> uh, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. Obviously, that is a reference to them crossing through the Red Sea, and then the horse and the rider uh, uh, getting swallowed up. Uh, by the sea, just talks about praising God. The Lord is, um, the Lord is His name, Yehovah, your Yahweh, or it's all the, it's all, it's the same. So, um, Yehovah. So, uh, it's it's talking about God, the the Almighty God. So now we get down to verse eleven of fifteen, and uh, it's one of those, one of those. Uh, Moments, those Hebrew, Hebrew eyes. Got to put your Hebrew eyes on. 11 says, who is like you, O Lord, that's Yehovah, among the gods. Elohim, uh, that's just El, that one, among the gods. And so uh, this is one of those general statements that claims that God is uh God is Elohim Yahovah is above the other Elohim. So it's a quick it's a quick shot statement, but you notice it. You start to notice these things. Um as we continue through 15, we have an an interesting uh, thing a prophetess, Miriam, a prophetess is the sister of Aaron, and she took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. So they're celebrating. They got a tambourine. They get dancing. And there's a prophetess. So all, all, all these things some some of uh, our churches get upset about, uh, you know, dancing, instruments, and uh, women in leadership. <laughs> she is leading women. So I'm, uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you that one. Um so uh, and then it repeats. They're singing. They made a song out of uh, the the one line from Moses' song. And so, sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. Has He has thrown into the sea? We actually sang a song with those lyrics when I was a, a young man saved. Uh, I was in my teens. And uh, I don't know if any of you have had heard it, but it's, uh, you know, I, the guys had a part and the girls had a part. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed, triumphed gloriously. And the guys would sing that and the ladies would come in. 
<laughs> the Lord God it, I will praise. Sorry, you don't want to hear that. So. <laughs> All right, now they come to, uh, they're, they're on the move. Moses, uh, then Moses made Israel, uh, what do we got? Uh, they, okay, they, I, that, yeah, sorry about that. Then they, uh, Moses made Israel uh, set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. Uh, they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. And they came to Mara. This is a kind of an important uh, thing they, because they named it. Uh, uh, they could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Here's the deal, okay? Once you find freedom in God... It doesn't mean you're free from all your problems, okay? Uh, you may uh, move away from, um, you may move into your salvation. Uh, you may feel a peace and a freedom and a joy, but then reality is going to sit in. The world is going to sit in and bitterness is going to come. And, and you have to learn how to give that over to God. I can't tell you. How many believers I've run into that carry bitterness. And this just shows that just because you've uh, gotten freedom from the world through salvation doesn't mean you're not going to be chased down by the emotions of the world. Okay? Because that is all you know. They came out of Egypt, but Egypt was all they knew. So they've come here and they're going to grumble because grumbling is all they knew. When you're in servitude, grumbling is your lifestyle. So just because you have freedom doesn't remove the grumbling, the bitterness. And so that's what they're, they're being shown here. But it says, if we keep moving down the verse, the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them saying, if you will diligently listen to my voice, to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ears to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you and I am, that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. That is Yehovah Rapa. Then he came to El Elam, where there were 12 palms. So that's, Elam means palms. So um, you want to get out of the bitterness? Start understanding God's righteousness. Start moving your life from how you think you should do it, how the world does it, and start doing things the way you know God has called you to do it, the way God desires you to do it, in God's righteousness. You want to see the bitterness go away? Start doing things God's way. Start taking the attitude of righteousness. Start looking at people through God's eyes, through the lens of his word, through the lens of his spirit. You want bitterness to go away? Start moving in that direction. This is what God is calling the people of Israel to do, and likewise, his people. You want to walk in bitterness? Keep doing the same things the same way, and you'll continue to have bitterness. All righty. We're going to keep moving. This is where they go into the they go into the desert, and God is going to provide for them food. Uh, they they uh, 
They're complaining about hunger, and God starts to bring them manna. So they can collect it up. They get quail, and they get this bread from the Lord to eat called manna. <clears throat> but as we look at the dis distribution of manna, we find something very interesting. And if you've already read the Bible and you know the Bible, this does not seem odd to you, but it is interesting in that it's it's out of order and many don't notice it. Um, he's, they're told to collect the manna. God's going to lay the manna out each day and they're to collect the manna and bring it in. And for six days, five days, they're supposed to collect one day's worth, okay? And then on the sixth day, they're supposed to collect two days worth. So on the seventh day, they don't collect any because it is a Sabbath. And some obviously tried to collect more because that's what people do. And uh, it rotted, but not on the sixth day. It didn't rot. The seventh day, they had their day's worth. This went on for 40 years. So, but here's, here's what it says. This is a 1626. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, and there was none. The Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments? So he tells them on the sixth day, they're supposed to collect double. Um, and this is the Sabbath. They're supposed to keep the Sabbath. However, they haven't gotten the Ten Commandments yet. So this is a recognition of the Sabbath from creation. So this is this is something uh, that's not given in the Ten Commandments yet. So they don't have the commandments yet. They understand the Sabbath from the from the model of creation. So this is something that God has created within us. Six days you work, seven day the seventh day you rest, one day you rest. We need to take that day of rest. It's not. Something that is, and Jesus clarified that for us in saying, uh, God didn't create man uh, for the Sabbath. He created Sabbath for man. This is for our benefit. This is for our blessing that we get a day of rest. When we don't take a day of rest, that's going to catch up to you. It's not healthy. It's not good for you, both physically and spiritually. We need to take that day of rest. However you take it, um, you know, it's great. Uh, people think it's the day, it's Sunday. It's the, it's the day we gather at church. It's not really that day. Um, Sunday, the first day of the week is the Lord's day. A Sabbath is really Saturday, Friday into Saturday, if you're Jewish, uh, cause you got evening and morning. But, uh, I like to not schedule things for Friday night and Saturday day. I like to have that day of rest. I try to implement it into my schedule. And most of the time we get that, that rhythm of rest because Sunday is the first day of the week. It's the Lord's day. It's what we give our first fruits of our offering of worship and praise and gathering with God's people on Sunday. It's the first day of the week. And so, uh, that's our rhythm of life. And, uh, we hope that you could have your own rhythm of life that fits into God's plan, his righteousness, because it only brings blessing. All right, 
water from a rock. Uh, so all the congregation of the people, this is 17, Israel moved from the wilderness uh, of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Raphadim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. These people didn't know anything but quarreling. They just kept on quarreling. They just couldn't seem to get uh they could they couldn't seem to get their rhythm of life without quarreling they kept going back into that system of thinking and so yeah it was it was uh it was tough on moses it just uh he just kept um uh having to deal with this again and again and again but um he says in verse 6 of 17 behold i will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders Israel, and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, which means quarreling and testing. So, <laughs> so there you go. Um, uh, the next part of this is uh, uh, Amalek comes in trying to defeat him. Uh, a war trying to rise up against uh, God's people. And uh, Joshua uh, gets an army. And uh, as long as Moses was on the hill holding his arms up, standing and holding his arms up, they were winning. As soon as he his arms started to drop, they started to lose. So they put some rocks under him so he could stand there and not, not get tired. And they held his arms up right and left and, uh, and as, as the armies move forward. Um, Interesting picture of leaders need help, okay? For the battle to move forward, your leaders need support. And so we need to come alongside our leaders and support them on the right and on the left and in the tushy <laughs> as they stand. So help them to stand. Um, there's a uh, Jethro comes to uh, find his son-in-law, uh, and uh, he's Zipporah's father, Moses' wife, and brings the, the boys, brings the two boys, Eliezer, and uh, what's the other one's name? Uh, Gershom. And uh, brings the boys, and they, uh, they come and, and join Moses, and then Moses tells them about everything that happens. Great line here from uh, Jethro in 11. Now I know... Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Now I know that Yehovah is greater than all Elohim. Jethro knows. Jethro understands. Jethro knows what's going on. He knows there's these lesser gods out there playing with people and pointing people away from the almighty creator. He knows we have to understand that same thing because it's they're still here. I'm gonna sneeze. I'll have to get my uh, my uh, my sound, my cough button ready. Okay. I don't know if you heard that. <clears throat> I might try and edit it out afterwards. So. Um. 
But Jethro gave him great advice, and this is a, a great piece of uh, scripture to understand. So it says, Moses tells him that you can't keep doing what you're doing. The people were all coming to Moses to to uh, basically govern them, to make decisions, to be the judge in their disputes, and tell them about God's law, and what, what to do and what not to do, what's right and what's not right. And Jethro tells him he's doing it from sunup to sundown because there were so many people. He tells him you can't keep doing this. He says, look for abled men from all the people. This is verse 21 of chapter 18. From all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, hate a bribe, and place such men over people as chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. So what what Jethro has advised Moses to do is to set up a representative government, a republic, okay? This is what he's told him to do. And he said to put men in there, if you're looking for someone to vote for, this is the description right here. Within a republic, you get to choose the people who represent you. This is what you look for. Look for able people from, from all the people, people who fear God, people who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place those people over the people, chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. This is what we're called to do. You want a description of who to vote for? It's right there. And this is the governmental system that America has pulled out. We've gotten away from the standard of who we vote for. That's our issue. It's not the issue of the fact that we're voting. It's not the, not the issue of, of uh, who's winning and who's losing. The issue is, is that we're not selecting by character anymore. We're not looking for godly character anymore. We're looking for which letter is behind their name. Is it an R? Is it a D? Is it an I? Is it a G for some of you? Um, that's, that's the wrong system. And the problem is we're not getting people who, are, who fit this, the description. We're, our voting is limited to who, who we get. So we're getting what we deserve. And, uh, and until we change that in mass amounts, nothing's going to change here. Israel at Sinai, 19. Israel comes up to the mountain. They get lots of instructions not to go up on the mountain. Moses is going to go up with Aaron partway, with uh, elders partway. He's going to go up to Sinai, and there's going to be smoke, and there's going to be trumpets blasting, and there's going to be... Uh, rumbling and, and uh, earthquakes, and he's going to get the Ten Commandments, okay? And this is Exodus 20, where the Ten Commandments are given. I'm going to go through some of these, and it's uh, it's going to be, uh, uh, as we look at this through the lens, these commandments through the lens of understanding divine counsel, rebelling Elohim, as we go, as we look at it with that lens, that we understand that at at Babel there were rebelling Elohim that are leading nations, 
And until we, until we understand that, uh, we're looking through, even at the Ten Commandments, with a surface-level understanding. So, the very first one, you shall have no other gods before me. Elohim. You shall have no other Elohim before me. And I know people say, you know, well, they're talking about, you know, uh, you shouldn't put anything before God. Anything you put before God is another God. That's true. I get that. I'm not saying it's not true. But understanding what has just occurred through Genesis and Exodus, this takes on a much more specific as well as the broader context. You shall have no other gods before me. There are other gods. There are other Elohim out there that are drawing you away from the creator, almighty God. And you need to set them aside. You shall have no other gods before me. The next one, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, a graven image, as you know, uh, or any likeness or anything that is in heaven or above the earth or beneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. See, these lesser Elohim would sometimes inhabit and even animate, make movement out of these images to give themselves authenticity. So they would worship the object. Um, so that's this carved image. We have examples of this coming up uh, with movement of objects. Three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The name, that is the uh, visible Yahweh, the second Yahweh. There's an invisible Yahweh. There's a a uh, visible Yahweh that sh keeps showing up through the Old Testament. They don't know it's Jesus yet. They don't know that it's Yahshua. They don't know that it is uh, it, it is going to be uh, Yezu. They don't know that he's going to be called the Son. They don't know yet. So he's called the name. He's called the other Yahweh, the visible Yahweh, the second Yahweh. But that makes this have a whole different context. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't call yourself Yeshua. Don't put Yeshua on yourself. I belong to Yeshua if you don't belong to Yeshua. Don't call yourself a believer if you're not a believer. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So then remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now the law shows up. They're already doing it. They're already understanding it out of creation. But now it becomes part of the Ten Commandments because... It's part of the relationship with God. It's part of getting rest so you can worship God. It's part of that. The, the first four commandments are people, people's relationship with God. And the next five, uh, excuse me, the next six, five through ten, honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not cover your neighbor's house, wife, or stuff. These are all your relationship with people, these five through ten. And so these are the commandments laid out. Vertical and horizontal. So then we get into 20, uh, the end of 20, uh, laws about the altar. I found something a little interesting there. I'll kind of share it with you how much time we got left. We got about uh, two minutes. So... Um, you shall uh, not make gods of uh, uh, silver or gold, uh, fashion them. That makes sense. That goes along with the 
uh, altar. He doesn't want any images. He doesn't want you worshiping things uh, instead of him. He wants the relationship. He doesn't want you to worship things. He doesn't want you to worship images. <clears throat> but then he says, when you make an altar, he says, when you come to a place, make an altar out of stone. He says, but, uh, but if you make an altar of stone, you shall not build it with hewn stone. He wants a natural stone. He wants you to build the altar with the way he left the stones, the way he created the stones. He doesn't want you to create it because now you're building something. You can, hey, look at the, look at the altar I built. Look at how good that looks. You could burn anything on there. It makes every offering look better. So I don't know how the Jews got the uh, Bronx Italian uh, accent. I have no idea. So, uh, <laughs> um, okay, sorry. Uh, 21 is the laws about uh, slaves. Here's the thing. You, you get a lot of pushback from time to time about being a believer, believing the Bible, well, the Bible teaches slavery. It doesn't teach slavery, okay? Slavery already existed. The Bible didn't teach slavery. Every culture, everywhere, every people imposed slavery. Sometimes people imposed it on themselves because it was better than dying, okay? I'm going to go and, and uh, subjugate myself to this wealthy person and and serve him because at least I'll be able to eat every day and, and work every day and have purpose even though I'm owned by him. This was this self-indentured uh, servant type of servitude. And uh, the, so God set up rules for that. Now, sometimes people came in and conquered other nations and they enslaved the people. And it was a way to not have to kill everyone, but still defeat everyone. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. What I'm saying is that was the culture. It's been the culture all over the world, and it will continue to be the culture because that's what's happening. It's going on right now. Uh, I, people get up in arms because, you know, 200 years ago, America had slaves. So did everybody else. So what cracks me up is people who think that if they lived 200 150 years ago that they wouldn't be part they would be the one that stands up and says we shouldn't have slaves if you're looking at if you're reading something about the past put yourself in the group of the majority because that's who you probably would have been the majority of the people were okay with slavery the majority of the people said either had slaves or didn't think anything about slaves because it was normal, not just here in America, in the world. America is the only one that flipped itself on its head and changed it. So I'm not saying it was right. It was wrong. It's always been wrong. And God doesn't condone it. What he does is within the culture, he says, there's a a humane way to do this, even though it's not right. But here's the bigger picture, okay? Everything's spiritual. I'm going to end with this. If human beings never instituted slavery anywhere, at any time, we would never know 
what it is to be in bondage spiritually. God allows the hearts of men to, to, to go their way away from him in order to paint the picture spiritually. He allows us to do physical things that are wrong to show us the spiritual things that are wrong. We are we're in spiritual bondage when we get away from God's principles, from God's righteousness, from God's word. We put ourselves into spiritual bondage, slavery. We're a slave to sin. When we don't know Jesus, we're a slave to sin. We're a slave to the world. We're a slave to our flesh. But when we when we call on the name of Jesus, when we repent and turn to him in righteousness, calling on his name, receiving salvation and dwelling of the Holy Spirit, we now can experience freedom. We now can get out of Egypt, okay? And we can be free from the bondage. Now, the only thing that will bring us back is if we keep going back to Egypt, if we keep going back to bondage, if we keep going back to the same things that we always did, the grumbling and the, the wilderness experience. So I hope that's helped you out. That's today's Old Testament. Wake up to the word. You're getting it a little late today. I just got it done this morning. So, yeah. We're glad you're here. Go to our website. If you would like a mug, you can purchase one there. And uh, I'm not going to kill it. I got, I got, got, got an uh, inventory of 10. So when it's gone, I'll order some more. We'll get some more, okay? So great to see you guys. I got some work to do. So I'm going to uh, get this ready, get it out, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Yes, Arnold, they know. <laughs>